0: Who we are affects what we do. Verse number one. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Starts from who we are to what we do. Who are we? We're prisoner of the Lord. And I know... (laughs) It's political season. We don't like that idea as Americans, especially. But listen, can I, just, can I just be honest with you for a second? You're either a prisoner of the Lord or you're a prisoner of Satan. And I realize that there's all kinds of different ways that I can say that and maybe sugarcoat it a little bit better. But that's the bottom line. You either belong to God or you belong to Satan. You, you This idea that you know... What is that saying? No man has island unto himself. We don't belong to ourselves. We either belong to God or we belong to Satan. Jesus said, you're of the the father, you're devil. And he was talking to the Pharisees. Hopefully we're a prisoner of God. Therefore, walk worthy. What you do because of who you are. If you remember, all the way back, I think it was chapter number one, it talks about that he made us to sit. Sit. Sit is stationary. He wanted us to learn who we are. Learn. For three chapters, this is who you are. Just sit there and learn who you are. Now it's time for some action. Now you get to walk. Walk worthy of everything that, who you are. I'm assuming that it's this way in any family, but a lot of times it'll be grandpa that makes the statement. Don't forget that you're a, and insert your last name. There's certain things that are expected of you because you are a. Listen, there's certain things that are expected of you because you are a child of God it just is walk worthy look at verse number 17 it says this I say therefore and testify of the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind verse or chapter number 5 verse number 2 and walk in love as Christ hath loved us and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. So we're supposed to walk a certain way. But if we don't have the first three chapters in our mind correctly, then we, when we start walking, we're going to walk incorrectly. You may have all your diet, eyes, I was going to say your eyes crossed, your diet, eyes dotted and your t's crossed, all of that wonderful thing. And you look absolutely perfect on the outside. The Pharisees and the Sadducees look perfect on the outside also. And what did Jesus say? White sepulchers full of dead men's bones. Vipers, you're of your father, The devil. I don't know that anyone outside of Jesus had ever accused the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders of Israel not being Christly, not being godly. Think about it for a second. The very thing that in their mind they were striving not to be, they had become. Why? Because they weren't. I ran across this and it makes a lot of people nervous when you throw this word out here, but legalism. Listen, legalism is a real thing. you want to know what legalism is? Legalism is when you make yourself the starting point instead of making God the starting point. Everything that you do, do you do it because you want to do it? Because you were told that's what you're supposed to do? Or are you doing it because the Holy Spirit led you to it? Are you the starting point? Or is God the starting point? What you do doesn't necessarily matter. I say that tongue-in-cheek. There are some things that obviously it doesn't matter. But when we're talking about looking like a good Christian, are you looking like a good Christian? Are you acting like a good Christian? Or are you a good Christian? Because who you are affects what you do. The true starting point is this. He's the starting point. We are the responder. Because of everything he has done, I should be willing to whatever he asks me to do. That's why this summer, and I'm sure I've said it other times, but (laughs) being a missionary, how in the world can someone give up this this country and and the money and their family and and their friends and and go off to the cold, dark jungles of Africa. And I promise you, not that I went to the cold, dark jungles of Africa. But listen, you want to know what? To to those of us that have done that, why it's not a big deal? And we we don't think of it that way. Because he's the starting point. And everything that he did for us. I should be willing to. And there's the blank check. Whatever. Listen, a fancy phrase. I'm sure you've heard it before. But if, God, if you haven't surrendered everything to God, then you've surrendered nothing to God. Until you've surrendered everything to God, you've surrendered nothing to God. If he doesn't have all of you, then he doesn't have any of you. And there's all kinds of different ways to say it. Listen, when I ask my kids to do something, I hope, and I'm pretty sure, that they do it because I love them. Not because they want me to love them. You see, the... the, And action is the same. They do what I told them to do. But the motivation couldn't be further apart. And when God asks you to do something, and you do it, are you doing it because He loves you? Or because you want Him to love you? And we can all get super spiritual right now. Say, well, yeah, it's because God loves us. But no, it's time to look deep inside ourselves. And you don't have to answer out loud because I guarantee you there are people in this room that do the things that they do because they want God to love them and not because he already does. There's all kinds of people all throughout the state, this nation in this world that they do things because they want God to love them. And they're completely wrong. Because that gets tiresome. Did I do it right? Did I do enough? And the list could go on and on and on to make sure that God loves me. Yeah, I realize that my sins are forgiven, and you know, I'm going to heaven and 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 I'm, and I'm accepted. But let's just be honest for a minute. There's a difference between accepted and loved. God loves you. For God so loved the world. Can I? When you were at your worst, God loved you. When you were unlovable. When I was unlovable. That's that's when God loved us. So why in the world do we think that things that we do are going to change whether we're accepted or we're loved? We were loved when we were disgusting, filthy little brats in God's eyes. So we walk worthy of the vocation not to get love, but because we are loved. God doesn't love some future version of you. Can I remind you that your righteousness are as filthy rags? I'm going to do everything and I'm going to do all this and do and do and do and do and do and do so God loves me and I'm going to pile up all this righteousness and God's looking at all our righteousness and says it's still filthy and disgusting. Think about that for a second. Futile. You're hamster on a wheel, just wearing yourself out. God saves us, He loves us, He includes us. A few weeks ago, we talked about making sure that we understand our, the fact that we're blessed. Listen, we are already blessed. It's not that, oh, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to get all the treasures and all the riches and all the blessings and, and you will know, that magical storehouse that God has up in heaven. I'm going to get all that one day. No, you got it now. It's not some future version. You're already blessed. You're already chosen. You're already favored. You're already redeemed. Can I tell you you're already predestinated? Again, I know that's a word that we get a little nervous about, but it's in the Bible. How many of you realize that I'm human? I have bad days. you want to know the most frustrating for me, thing for me as a pastor is this? And I'm not trying to get you guys to do something you don't want to do. I'm not trying to. I'm trying to get you to want. Listen, you're loved. You're chosen. You're redeemed. All of those things, why wouldn't you want to? It doesn't make any logical sense. Why wouldn't you want to be here to spend time with your church family? Why wouldn't you want to be here to learn more about God? Why wouldn't you want to invite your friends and your family and your co-workers? Why wouldn't you want to give 10%? So I don't want to get you to do things you don't want to do. I want you to, I want, you to want to. And it doesn't make any sense to not want to. Because you... Well the, well, the Bible says that Demas has forsaken me. Why? Because he loved... This present world. Probably next year we're going to do a study on that concept of forsaking. The Bible says what? Forsake not the assembly of yourselves together. Listen, that's not talking about missing because you're sick, because you're on vacation, because of any of those things. It's talking about missing church because you didn't want to be here. You just didn't want to be here. Why would you not want to? It's because who you are. Who you are affects what you do. And I'm not saying that you're not saved. But the fact is, is that you don't want to do the things that God wants you to do because you don't Realize who you are. Because who you are affects what you do. So, verse number one walk worthy. Stop auditioning. Stop auditioning. You've already got the part. Stop pretending. And just realize that you are something. You're a child of God. That something that you are, yes, has absolutely nothing to do with anything that's intrinsically you. It has everything to do with who God is. But you are somebody. Stop auditioning. Stop pretending. Stop playing. And start realizing. I'm pretty sure you guys have seen it, but... Oh, where she's at now? Joelle's got to walk. She knows she's a somebody. She's three years old and she knows she's a somebody. And can I tell you this? She's three years old. She hasn't done anything yet. It's nothing to do with what she's done. It has to do with who she is. Who is she? She's my daughter. She's love. She's got three big brothers. She's protected. And the list could go on and on and on and on. She's somebody and she knows it and she hasn't done a thing for it. She's three years old. You can't do anything. Walk worthy. When you were born, you were given a name, you weren't given a choice. Did you hear about the person that named their kid A, B, C, D, E? I think they were an English teacher. Dead serious. I've got, I've got all kinds of these. Dead serious. Birth certificate. A, B, C, D, E. When we were in Canada, I promised you. Lady came. She had twins. Twinna and Twimba. Twinna and Twimba. Twin A and twin B. She thought the hospital named it. The kids for you. Oh, I mean I got a, a pastor, and Ball was here. He pastored somebody whose name was spelled Pajamas and pronounced it Pajame. All kinds. Listen, you were given a guess what? You weren't given a choice on what your name was. Kendra didn't like her name growing up at first. She thought it was a guy's name. But listen, she wasn't given a choice. And not one of us was given a choice as to who we were, our name. You didn't work for it, it was just given to you. But you do have to walk worthy of it. Again, don't forget you're a so and so. So-and-so's do, don't do do certain things. They do certain things. Whether it's a Smith or a Jones or whatever, whatever your last name is. You have to walk worthy of it. You didn't work for it. You didn't choose it. Same is true spiritually. You're a somebody. You're a child of God. You didn't do anything for it but you got to walk worthy of it. Verse number two. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, not only do you have to walk worthy of it, but you have to walk humbly with it. You have to walk humbly with it. Again, I'm going to throw the word out there, legalism. Legalism is pride. See, it's not, it's not that Because listen, no matter who you are, if you're living the way that God wants you to live, somebody is going to say that you're legalist. But it all has to do with the starting point. Well, you know, I dress a certain way for church. And I listen to a certain type of music. And I do this, and I do this, and I do this. And and look at me! Look at me, I'm a Sunday school teacher and I'm a deacon and I'm this and I'm that and I'm pride. It's pride. Listen, I'm glad that you do all of that. The Bible says that you're supposed to do all of that. But listen, not only do you have to walk worthy of it, you gotta walk humbly with it. And if you're walking around making sure that people notice what you do, notice how you dress, notice what you listen to, Notice the places that you go. You've got pride. And that is legalism. Why? Because you're not doing it for him. You're doing it to get attention. Listen. I drive a nice car because I obey God more than you obey God. So that means that I'm more blessed than you. I'm more holy than you are. We could go on and on, but listen. It's not what you do that matters. It's why you do it. Why do we do it? It's because of who we are. Who we are. What does it produce? You want a a quick test for you. Am I acting legalistic in my actions? What does, what I'm doing, what does it produce? Does it produce pride in me? Or does it give glory to God? And again, each and Every one of us has to ask ourselves that question. And if what we do is bringing glory to God, then it's not legalistic. But if it's causing pride within us, then we've got a problem. Philippians chapter number two. Philippians chapter number two, verse number three. Let nothing be done through strife and vainglory, but in all lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. We should esteem everyone else higher than ourselves. I know I said it before, but that little acronym for joy, Jesus others you. You're, you will only be happy when you're last. Do what God wants you to do. Be nice to others and don't hurt yourself. But you should be last. Worry about God first. Worry about others second. And yourself last. Wait. Listen. You want a healthy marriage? Worry about your spouse before you worry about yourself. You say, well, If I don't worry about myself, then who's going to worry about me? Your spouse. See, they worry about you, you worry about them. You put them first, they put you first. Same thing's true in church. You put everybody else before, you put yourself. And if if everybody does what they're supposed to do, you'll be taken care of. In any relationship. Husband, wife, parent, kid. Employer, employee. Brother, sister. Everyone puts everybody else first. That's what God did. He put us before he put before he put himself. We're supposed to be Christ-like, esteem others more than ourselves. See, the world has their definition of worthy. Their definition is smug, proud. You've been around those people. They know they're better than somebody else, and they're not afraid to show it. Listen, you're, you are a somebody, but you're not better than anybody else. You don't have to be prideful. You don't have to be smug. We're supposed to walk. Humbly with it. Number three. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We have to walk in unity. Walk in unity. It's election season. You, you hear it in the background all the time, but it seems to pop up more so every four years, at least in America. Why can't we all just get along? Unity. Why can't we all just get along? The answer is right here. Endeavoring to, what's the next word? Keep. It's not our job to bring unity. It's not our job to bring peace. It's our job to keep it. We can't manufacture it. No matter how hard we work, it'll never happen. The peace that passes all understandings. You can only be at peace with people who understand who God is. Those are the only peaceable people in the world. Matthew 5, the Beatitudes. Peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. Listen. We're supposed to keep the unity. We're not supposed to create it. It's not, it's not something we do. It's who we are. Unity. Your house in your church, in your job, wherever it might be. It's who you... Listen, that's why it's not wise. It's not wise what to go and do. If you're saved, it's not wise to join a partnership with someone who's unsaved, whether it be a business partner or a marriage partner. Because there will be no unity. There can't be. It's impossible. Because you can't bring it. They don't have it. It's never going to happen. But when you both have it, it's just natural. Now you just got to keep it. It's there. It's your job to keep it. It's not our job to produce it. Humility brings unity. Listen, when, when I'm more worried about you than I am about me, And you're more worried about me than you are about you. Humility brings unity. This is just a natural byproduct. With pride cometh destruction. Look at verse number four. It says, There is one body, one spirit, one hope. Five, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Six, one God. One. Unity. Unity. Listen. You heard me use the example the other a couple of weeks ago. You're every mu- if you want to accomplish something, every muscle in your body has to work together in unity, but they're not all doing the same thing. Listen, when you bend your leg, do you realize that your thigh muscle and your calf muscle are going in two opposite directions? To bend your leg they're working, they're working in unity but they're not doing the same thing one are we in unity we're supposed to work together Can I tell you, that? <laughs> we hear it, we see it, we know it. Our nation is not in unity. Do you want to, you want to know the reason why our nation isn't in unity? Well, because they're, not, they're all thinking about themselves and not the other person. They're not in unity because, again, I'm not trying to mean, but they're not all saved. But how many churches are in unity? So and so's worried about this, and so and so's worried about that. Ain't nobody worried about the lost. Listen, we—that's not to say that we run from problems. The other uh, Sunday night, I said, "It's gonna. if we're going to help the world, it's going to get messy. That's Mr. Caravill. He's trying to help some people, and it can get messy. He can't be afraid of it. We got this virus going around, and it seems like half the medical community is afraid of it. Listen, you're in the wrong profession if you're afraid... If- If you're afraid of a germ, don't become a doctor or a nurse. Just don't. Can't be afraid of it. Listen, if if you're afraid that getting into the world is going to affect you, then, well, you're not a Christian. Because if Jesus is in you, the world can't affect you. You can't be afraid of it. Yes, this world's in disunity and there's only one thing that'll bring it that's Jesus. Again, you bend your leg, your muscles are going two different directions. Think about that for a second. Your body's working in unity to cause you to walk and you've got muscles going in opposite directions. See, there's a difference between unity and uniformity. We said that the other day. Listen, you can pick up your leg or your arm or move your fingers or any of those things. Why? Because you got two muscles going in two different directions that cause tension. Can't run from Listen, we're not all going to think alike. There's... Listen... I'm not, there's going to be tension, but you can't be afraid of it. You have to realize that we are all working for the same purpose. Again, Peter and Paul didn't like each other. There was a lot of tension, but when the rubber met the road, they realized that they were both trying to further the gospel of Christ. Can't be afraid of it. You have to work together. See, I said unity, uniformity are not the same thing. God wants unity. He doesn't want unison. He doesn't want uniformity. He wants unity. Husbands and wives can be on completely different pages. Church members can have completely different opinions. But the fact that if they're both trying to do what pleases God means there will never be irreconcilable differences. I mean, that's, that's the phrase now. I'm getting a divorce. I'm quitting. Why? Well, there's just in irreconcilable differences. That shouldn't be true inside. Anything that has to do with Christianity. Because if everyone's trying to do what God wants them to do, That will never happen. Listen, we may never agree this side of heaven on everything. You've heard me say it. I don't even agree with myself half the time. At least half the time, if not more. Listen. But can we both appreciate that both people are trying to please God? When Neil Armstrong walked on the moon, it took two Hundred and eighteen thousand people to get him there. Think about that. Yeah, we know all about Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldridge. 218,000 people to get him there. And not one of them was doing the same job. Everyone had a different job to accomplish. Can I tell you, there were dozens of different nationalities, hundreds of different people who specialized in different things. Also one man could walk on the moon. And the vast majority of them, probably 217,000 975 of them you've never heard of, if not more. <laughs> just the other, I, th- I think it was last year, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvanians are weird. I know we're only like 10 miles away, but Pencil- I mean, they're just a little weird sometimes. County Fair, they had... A horse pulling contest. One horse pulled 4,500 pounds. Must have been like a Clydesdale or something. Some big straw. I don't know know much about horses. I just know that they're a big horse. That was first place. First place pulled 4,500 pounds. That's like two cars. Second horse pulled 4,000 pounds. So just for the fun of it, they put the two of them together. First and second place. Together they pulled 12,000 pounds. Again, algebra. I'm never going to use this. But no, the two horses pulled more together than they could. Added, pulled separate. Technically, they should have been only able to pull 8,500 pounds, but no, they almost doubled that. They tripled what they could pull by themselves. Jesus said, I am the Father, our one. Trinity, one God. Again, we can't fully, I can't fully explain, and you probably can't fully understand how the Trinity works. But it's one God. Three distinct parts. One God. We might say personalities or persons or unity. Who we are. Affects what we do. God isn't asking anything from us that he's not already doing. I realize that God's perfect, and you, someone might view this as sacrilegious. That's not what my point is. But do you. Many times in, in scriptures, we get the opinion that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all. Like they're trying to figure out what to do. And I realize that they know the beginning from the end, so maybe it's just perception. But let's. Like they have a dis, discussion. In creation, what are we going to make next? What are we going to make next? What are we going to make next? Let us, and they finally come to a consensus, let's make man in our image. Sure. I could be wrong. And I don't mean this to sound sacrilegious or anything. But I get the impression that they don't always have the same idea at the same time. And they're up there talking. bouncing things off of one. Realizing we have to do what's best. Listen, let this cup pass from me. Jesus didn't want to die on the cross. Jesus and God the Father had two different things that they wanted to do. They didn't always agree. But they did what was best for us. Never the will, not my will. God, I don't want to do this. Do not want to do this. Can you imagine your kid looking at you and saying, "I don't want to do that." Not that, and then obviously he didn't do it. Disrespectful. Jesus didn't sin. I don't want to do that. But nevertheless, you're enough. I'm letting it known. I don't want to do it. But I'm going to do it. Unity. I don't really want to do that. But I'm going to do it. Why? It's because of who you are. It's because of who we are. I'm this. I am literally the begotten son of God. It's who I am. So, I do it. We're sons of God, too. It's who we are. Because of who we are, it's what we do. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning and we're thankful that you allowed us to come gather and worship, Lord.